This is Office Hours, the show for sharing experiences and stories in security, risk management, compliance, and audit. Brought to you by Galvanize. Now, here's your host, Dan Zitting. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Office Hours. I'm Dan Zitting, and today I have with me a brand new guest to the reboot of Office Hours, Adam Haberly. Hey, Adam. How are you? Good. Thank you, Dan. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, you are a member of the team here at Galvanize. Tell us about your role and the kinds of things you're typically involved in. Sure. Um, I'm a senior specialist on the uh, consulting and services team, consulting and advisory services team at uh, at Galvanize. I've been with the the, the organization for almost 10 years, um, delivered close to 200 different customer projects. And and I help with... um, deployment of data automation and monitoring solutions uh, around our ACL robotics platform. Yeah, awesome. So uh, Adam is one of the sharpest guys with data I know and has a million stories to tell in a million different areas. Uh, but one we th- what we thought would be interesting to talk about today is physical security. And the reason for that is is a couple of reasons, but in particular, right now, um, there's lots going on around the pandemic, having closed facilities, facilities that are reopening, facilities that are opening with new restrictions around how many people can be in them at one time. There's lots to be thinking about and then therefore, in turn, potentially be monitoring around the the physical security controls of um, different types of of sites. And Adam, you've done uh, several projects around using uh, data tools to pull information from those uh, from physical security systems and, and get some ideas of of what's going on uh, with those, uh, what's going on in those organizations. So um, can you just describe maybe just before we get started a little bit around the different kinds of um, stakeholders that have run these kinds of, of projects, auditors, investigators, who, who, who do you often uh, service who are looking for information around the physical movements of people in their, in their organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, well, you tend to see an internal audit as that's, I would say the majority of the customers that I work with. Um, and they are looking to notify, um, well, uh, I would say probably the, the data owners of the badging system and who, whomever that may be, typically IT or security, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, HR as well, because if you end up having a termed employee who still has a badge, then it may be the badging data that ends up notifying HR that they need to terminate an employee. So right. there, there may be a couple other folks involved there. And when we do talk about potentially some some policies that might be up and coming or new, you may want to loop in some compliance folks in there as well. Maybe, I'm not sure, depending on what's in the new normal here. Excellent. And so um, I want to to I want to use one example that that you shared with me right off the bat. So you had an organization that that's. Uh, fundamentally what they do is is provide physical security services so this is a a, a big thing for this organization um, first of all I want to we'll get into a little bit uh, uh, of how you did it but what were some of the interesting things that you found uh, or that you helped the team there find uh, that was going on with their employees based on looking at data around their physical access devices 
Mm-hmm. So we started out the engagement not even targeting physical security or physical access at all. We wanted to look at time clocks, and that was the first thing that we looked at. It, it stemmed from fuel card stuff and time clocks related to fuel card. And then my uh, my customer who was on the investigation side said, uh, "Hold on, I want to. F- we've got a whole bunch of different." Um, physical storage facilities, and I want to see when someone accesses a facility and then what's the lag between them punching in for the day or punching out for the day and then leaving the facility. Um, Because it is their policy that you are only on site when you are working. So that was kind of where they wanted to look at. And they had, I think they have about two dozen facilities in just the U.S. Um, And we started with, uh, I think we started with their Atlanta facility as our pilot. And then we just stemmed out the project from there. That's interesting. And so it wasn't initially, this was less about, uh, less about access and more about, um, the behavior of employees, but it turns out physical proximity, um, makes what you can learn there more interesting. So what was the outcome? What were some of the, what are examples of the things that you did end up learning from that exercise? Mm-hmm. And just a note before before I get into that one, Dan, um, the, the, the reason I think they wanted to more of to monitor um, who was in their facilities is because they were protecting customer stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't their own inventory in there. I know that that's, you know, protecting that from like theft and things like that, but they also had customer and, and reputational risk there as well if someone came in and took some of their customers' belongings and left the facility. Right. So what we ended up looking at was... Um, Frequency of how often um, some of their security personnel were uh, walking around the um, walking around the area doing their their proximity checks um, throughout their shift, and and we would we came up with a I think four times every night they had to do a walk around, and we were finding that several locations were were doing a uh, accessing facility punching in and then accessing the facility to punch out and then leaving again. And that was it. There was no other activity. They had done, it, it appeared as though they had done no other walk around. And so my customer who was a huge fan of stakeouts, um, he, he went to a couple of these facilities and he monitored um, with also other stakeholders as well, that some of the security guards were punching in, going back to their little, um, I guess, little, chair or little room and sleeping for their shift. And that was it. They weren't doing anything else. So these facilities housed uh, what was to be highly secured data. um, But without this kind of monitoring, they may not, they wouldn't have caught this situation where security guards who were part of the broader security control set weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, walking around the site. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And that's by correlating the time clock data with the um, with the physical proximity data. That's um, that's super interesting. Anything else uh, that that y- you uh, would share that you learned from that particular engagement before we move on to some uh, before we move on to some other topics? Yeah. Well, this this would be the first engagement where we've looped in. Now that I'm thinking about, it, there's probably only been one other customer that was innovative enough thus far to loop in time clock and physical security data at the same time. Um, Normally that's when you have hourly employees that you have time clocks necessarily. And and this organization had a lot, I think there was about 70% of their workforce was time clock. Um, And what they wanted to look at was when, 
when individuals were accessing the facility when they weren't working, or maybe they had logged in as PTO or sick and were still accessing the facility. So there's a lot of cross systems that were brought into place that weren't initially part of the scope, which really made it interesting and a lot of aha moments for my customer who who wanted to monitor the behavior of, of the uh, employees there. Yeah. Um, interesting. So moving on from there, I want to talk about another organization. This is financial services. I think you were alluding to, um, they were using, I, I, I think what you told me is they were, they wanted to do a, a broader data analytics training program for their team. Um, but they were going to use maybe physical security as, as use case for some of that, for the, some of that training. Can you talk a little bit more about what you were, what you were doing with the team there? Yeah, so so this this customer had had leveraged um, uh, services to develop an enablement program, and one of the use cases was they and they chose uh, physical security because they hadn't done anything on it yet. So they were looking for fresh ideas, and they may have done some review internally on it. Maybe it was kind of correlating to Excel files or whatnot, but they were really looking to automate that and come up with additional ideas. And so we ended up training up. I think 16 individuals um, across different functions of their organization, just on the physical security aspect. And we looked at things such as um, badges to terminated employees or non-existent employees. They were never there mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah. Um, ones uh, badges that were, and this, this is probably one of my, <laughs> I, I laugh at this one because I, this isn't necessarily um, trying to look at any, any, um, uh, nefarious behavior. This is a, um, we, they were looking at serial card replacers or oh, yeah. uh, serial offenders of this. So you have someone who is constantly losing their badge and requesting mm-hmm. another one. And we looked at how often, and I remember this one, They ha- we ended up, uh, we got live data with theirs because we did all the training on site. So this was, uh, they had one individual within six months had lost eight cards, eight badges. And <laughs> if you think wow. of... <laughs> eight, yeah, eight. So we don't know if those were at his home. He lost those at the coffee shop. If he lost those on the campus and someone picked them up and didn't turn them in, no idea where those cards went. But such an interesting analytic to look at. Just you're not even looking at the activity of the individual. You're looking at how often we replace the card, and that also can you can look at that from a corporate card perspective. You can look at that from a fuel card perspective as well. How often are we replacing these cards? Hmm. Yeah. And then of course I see somebody loses their card eight times. I probably want to start figuring out things like where was card number three back? Has it been used in the last, uh, in the last little bit, um, all kinds of interesting things there. So, um, let's use that as a transition to tell me, um, I'll share some of my own, uh, my own experience and stories here as well. Having done uh, some similar sorts of reviews, but what would you, um, what would you point out as great places to start? Or um, I think what you described earlier to me, Adam, is staple analytics that mm-hmm. are, are um, kind of bread and butter that might be areas to start with um, to get a general sense over um, how good the physical security control or physical access controls actually are. Mm-hmm. If you want to start out small, and we're talking staying within your physical security data set, um, you need two reports. The, your your badge master or whatever you end up calling it, uh, FOB master, uh, and your activity of those. So then you can probably knock out maybe five to six different analytics in that just to start. And you're, we're talking about 
um, dormant badges, badges that haven't been used mm -hmm. um, for for a while. Um, that can the reason behind that could be it, it could be a termed employee, or it could be someone who's carpooling with with Suzanne, and Suzanne always opens the door open for them, and it's right. just a, a friendly, you know, uh, manners kind of thing. But you know, piggybacking is a problem. Mm -hmm. Then you end up having uh, then then some other analytics that's dormant that you're looking at. You can also look at activity on weekends, holidays, PTO, sick. When you loop in PTO and sick, now you're talking about touching other data sources, of course. But looking at a weekend, well, anything that landed on a Saturday of the calendar year, uh, and anything that landed, what's what's your outside of office hours? Well, for the the the, the customer I mentioned before, their security is 24 hours, so outside isn't going to work for them. But if you're in an office environment, in let's say five to six, five to seven, anything outside of that might be weird. I can tell you that I've uh, needed to pick up my laptop from our office at about three in the morning before a flight sometimes. <laughs> so maybe I'll show up on that report. Um, so the other, the other activities that you could look at as well um, would be around um, close succession entries. So it's, it's almost like someone went and, and left. They could, that could be that they left their keys out or they could badge and then someone said, oh, hold the door. And they, they came out and they badged back in and let, then let someone back in. That could be an indicator um, for, for, for that type of stuff as well. So there, there are several different analytics. And when you start to loop in other data sets, or your active employees, then you can start looking at badges to inactive employees. That's that's a very popular one because yeah. now you have a pretty significant risk there where a terminated employee can access your facility and maybe their card is still active and they're gone. It seems like an obvious one, but I've done that one and, and found absolute egregious violations. And they just amounted to um, somebody who didn't get their badge removed and most of the time came back to get something of the office that they that they'd forgotten, but I ran into one in a healthcare organization where a terminated employee was terminated for reasons related to uh, internal theft, got terminated, kept their badge, and just went back and stole the stuff anyway, um, as, as an example. So even sometimes I think the simple ones like that that seem obvious, it turns out when you look at full populations of data, guess what happens? There are these things that, uh, that, that, uh, that pop up. Mm -hmm. Well, the the uh, another as aspect of it as well would be contractors, and you need to give. Mm. Sometimes you do need to give out those badges to contractors to access your facility. Looking at when when do we deactivate their badge? Right? Is it the end of the contract? Oh, they're going to be back in you know six months. Well, do we really know that? Should we just deactivate their badge and when they come back, reactivate it again, or leave it open for that entire period of time? Like, what what do you end up doing? Yeah, and and Adam Haberly, our full time employee, might need to pick his laptop up at three a.m. Uh, before a flight. Uh, but the contractor that cleans the uh, that cleans the refrigerators probably doesn't need to be in here at, at, at three a.m. So combining some of those rules becomes uh, becomes interesting as well. Um, I have to share one of my own stories with that one, Adam. Uh, you mentioned just uh, things you can do looking at only the. Uh, the uh, badge activity uh, in and of itself. Um, one that I would have never necessarily, I wouldn't have ever really thought 
would be worth looking at. Um, we had uh, an organization. It was actually um, it was actually uh, an oil company, um, but it was back in the days of when still everybody had their their data center uh, on site in their offices, of course. And one of the things we went to look at was just for just for interesting, just for interest sake, um, who was exiting without having entered uh, by, by proximity badge. And so what happened, what we were actually looking for there was if we we're just looking to profile risk, if there was lots of exits with no entries, it means that people are, um, people are piggybacking and that, um, and that, uh, you know, we might need to do some security awareness training on, on piggybacking or letting other people through on your own, on, on your badge scan. But we ended up with this one anomalous case that stood out where one badge in one particular room over and over and over again on a, it turned out to be an exactly daily basis was exiting a room, um, but never entering it. And that room happened to be, um, that room happened to be the server room, the, the data center. So that obviously created a, 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 a um, well, it wasn't the proper data center. It was basically, um, basically a, a, um, a, a server room that wasn't the core corporate data center, but was the, the server room for that particular facility. So for all the, the switching, the local file storage, all the stuff in that particular location. And long story short, what it turned out to be is that was the cleaning person who was leaving the server room every evening because this person had gone in there to clean. But as a cleaning person, they didn't have access uh, with their badge to be able to go into that room and clean. Well, this very motivated individual, the uh, the supplies uh, storage was actually right next to that server room. And what had happened was um, they realized that it was a suspended ceiling, the, the simple suspended ceiling tiles. And in an effort to do the job of making sure that um, that this person had swept out and cleaned that room that they couldn't get into, they were actually using the ladder in the cleaning closet to go up over the up over the wall inside of the suspended ceiling and would come back down on the other side, sweep out and leave the server room every night. And so there were something like in the last, I mean, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of these cases where this person had, uh, had climbed over the wall to go clean um, and, and exit the facility, but of course a security violation in the process. So um, there's one that, Compared to your facility, your security guards who are going and, and sleeping on the job, this ambitious, uh, this ambitious, uh, person was going completely out of their way to do the opposite and yet violating security policy. So, um, all kinds of different things that, that, um, a little creativity and you'll find people are doing strange things with your, with your facilities, I suppose. I, I thought of another one while you were in the, you're saying your story there, Dan, around, um, uh, the first person in the office for a day, leaving the door ajar with like a, um, a, a I guess a door jar, and yeah. then um, and just letting everybody else come in. So that person buzzes in or uh, um, swipes in for the day, and then no one swipes at all for the rest of the day, or until someone decides to close the door. Maybe the you know there's only a couple of folks in at that time. Um, 
that would be an interesting one where there would be no badge out or other people sequentially for that period of time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, that was really fun. So um, I, maybe um, just uh, one more you were mentioning to me was around um, particularly in situations like government where you might have um, you might have uh, m- multiple entities um, there could be multiple uh, s- security systems. Um, I think you were telling me about a city government where where you were cross-referencing across uh, multiple physical security systems. Any um, anything you'd add to what w- what was the intention of that, and what were they mm-hmm. um, uh, considering monitoring for? Yeah, so so this was a mid-sized uh, municipality, and and they had um, and its internal controls group was really just interested in in oversight and visibility into facility access. But they don't just have one building, city hall. They are in charge of the administration of two dozen ish um, facilities around the city. So they didn't have a centralized way of of oversight of, of all of their access to this facility. They weren't necessarily trying to see if the librarian had went into the evidence locker at, at the police station, though they could have found that. Yeah. Um, they wanted to, they had one central badging system or a company that, that had done all their badging for them, but all of the different facilities had their own activity logs. So they had to grab a file from each of the different systems and then bring them together to figure out this master list of all badges against all of them. And, and our tool easily brought all different 24 data sets together and matched them against the master, no problems. Yeah, that's really interesting because then, um, like you said, it may not necessarily be so much about making sure librarian doesn't go into the evidence locker, but that, in fact, we want to make sure that terminated uh, employees aren't going into any of the city's facilities, whether that's the library, the police station, city hall, or, or, or otherwise. So um, I, I think that's really compelling is to say, um, especially in a government environment where, where the facilities are much, uh, much more diversified and, but potentially interesting to look at on a whole city basis um, compared to a typical corporate system where that might be centrally, centrally managed. Mm. Um Anything else that that uh, that that uh, municipality uh, wanted to uh, chase down from a, a physical access monitoring standpoint? Uh, yeah, so I um, this is a repeat customer, and every Friday afternoon we tend to look at their risk assessment that they that generate um, probably every six months, and they're like, "Well, where you know where can we where where are there holes in our controls, or where where can we?" enact a control that wasn't there previously. And they said, what kind of data analytics can you do with a padlock? (laughs) And I looked at them a little bit confused. I'm like, well, there's no electronic data there. It's, it's pretty much who has the keys to that padlock. And that's the only thing that you could do. You wouldn't be able to monitor access of when they did it unless they logged it themselves. So they were really looking for magic from you, Adam. (laughs) Yeah. Really looking for magic. Um, but there, there, there are some interesting things that you could do there. You could create your own um, access log using a survey if you really wanted to and just say, you know, Bob accessed it at this time and made it a survey fill out. And then you, you make your own uh, data access logging and then kind of analyze that. But 
you're, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. that would be something that they would want to do. Well, ironically, I have seen um, cases like that, not so much from an audit perspective, but in more advanced scenarios, um, there are tools now that can generate event data out of video. Um, and I have seen um, some interesting, um, I, I did some interesting analysis with a customer where um, where uh, they, uh, it's not physical access, but physical proximity, um, they were looking for fraud at their cash registers at the, the point of sale in, um, in um, um, the, the point of sale system in a retail store. And what they were doing was they were looking for scenarios where effectively the um, the cashier was making a return, even though no return was made and, and pocketing the cash, right? Because they had found some other controls um, had around manager approvals and that sort of thing had potentially failed. And so what they ended up doing was using some specialized software to uh, emit video events, uh, uh, events, uh, event data from their video, uh, video surveillance that basically what this software could do is say how many people are in the shot um, at any given time. And so they took a time series of every 10 seconds for a um, every 10 seconds for a, uh, I think whatever they started with, like a one week period, how many people are in shot looking at that cash register um, for the whole period, and then took the returns uh, from the point of sales system uh, data and compared the two to say, effectively, when was there a return for only, but there was only one person physically in the camera shot, because it means the cashier made a return with no customer there to give the money to. Does that make sense? And so (laughs) it's an interesting case where... um, with the right tool set, there's data can come from lots of lots of places and be used for lots of interesting things. Oh, I I just thought of something that oh I've I've not delivered this before, but just the idea that came <laughs> in the face. I, I think of um, the uh, the facial recognition that some social media platforms have. You take a picture and it knows who on your friends list might mm-hmm. be actually there. I, bear with me, this is going somewhere. <laughs> um, if you had kind of that facial recognition from the camera feed and you were able to identify. All, you know, all of your employees that were at the till and then maybe just do, you know, keeping privacy in, in place here, but just <laughs> yeah. have a, you know, this, this particular face, not attributed to anybody at all. But if you had one staff and that particular face and a void or discount happens at the exact time consistently around those two faces happening on the video feed, eh, there could be some, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there could be something there. <laughs> All the returns done that are logged in under the same account into the POS system were from different faces. Yeah, all kinds of uh, interesting things. So um, that's a good one. So um, just to wrap up, Adam, I want you to tell me while you've been on site at lots of very large organizations um, with with that are supposed to have very tight security controls, uh, whether they do or not, tell me one or two just to wrap up of your favorite um, stories about physical access controls at those organizations. Sure. I got two and it's the exactly the same, uh, customer campus. Um, so I went, I went on site to a customer, uh, financial institution in Pennsylvania and, uh, their, their, their physical security controls were huge. It took four days for my, all of my background checks and everything to get processed Mm because being a Canadian on site in the U S 
But then, the Canadians can't trust uh, them. Yeah, the Canadians. Um, <laughs> then I had to get fingerprinted on the Thursday. Uh, got all my my parking pass and my badge on Thursday afternoon. It was all done. And then Friday, I got there and I didn't have to go through anything. Didn't have to have that secondary screen for driver's license or anything. Getting the, through the security gate. And then Friday afternoon, I had to surrender the badge. <laughs> and um, until the next time that I visited <laughs> months later right. and all, four days of efforts for one day of... Hey. Uh, of uh, um, some some open doors there, but um, the same customer year, uh, a couple of years later, I was there with a colleague of mine, and uh, my badging system. They were used to me there. They had my name on file. I just had to get re. I think I had re fingerprinted or something like that, and then I got my badge right away. But he went through the same four day process, so he didn't have his badge. And Tuesday, we decided to go to the cafeteria for lunch, and there was a revolving door that you have to badge into and then you go into the revolving door and you enter in the cafeteria and I badged and I forgot that he didn't have his badge in I said oh come in here with me so the revolving door goes one tick and stops because it had a weight control limitation <laughs> on how heavy the end of the 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 it had to be so him and I exceeded the weight limitation here we are locked in this revolving door really close together on display for everyone in the cafeteria. <laughs> and uh, I can tell Here's you that the that ACL guys trapped effective. because they were <laughs> piggybacking. <laughs> piggybacking. Yep. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Well, that's a funny story. So um, Adam, let's just wrap up. I think uh, all of those were um, our, our past experiences um, in particular, looking at where people were entering things that they um, entering things that they, they shouldn't be those sorts of things. Um, just, you know, what's going on now, given the, the, the COVID-19 crisis, have you had any conversations with customers around reevaluating some of these things and maybe monitoring for, for, entries into facilities that have been closed or is there um, maybe just wrap up to say uh, uh, these techniques are surely um, more relevant now that we're so uncertain about what's going on with our uh, and who should be in our physical facilities and how many people should be. Um, do you hear any customers asking questions or, or generating ideas about how they could use data and monitoring to make sure some of these new rules and, and controls they want to implement given the COVID situation are, are coming down? Yeah, I, I haven't necessarily talked to any customers about this, but I just presented a webinar last week that made me think of um, the kind of the changing of the way that we're doing analysis right now with kind of the new normal happening. Um, so Galvanize is, is working from home. Uh, that's kind of our, our, uh, our temporary policy for most of our employees. I think, Dan, you're in the office today. Um, the but, guinea pig, first back. <laughs> <laughs> but so when you... when you look at one of the analytics that I mentioned around, oh, cards or badges that aren't being used. Well, my badge isn't being used. All of my colleagues' badges aren't being used, except for Dan's today. <laughs> but like that analytic, if you have that up and running today, everything's a false positive because no one's in the office. But at Galvanize, we have a, we have a, um, I guess, a, a control in, in a way for an approval process. If I need to go into the office to get maybe a second monitor or something like that from my desk or my favorite coffee cup, mm -hmm. um, I need to get C-suite approval and we need to identify when I'm supposed to go and identify if there's any conflicting parties who are going to be in the office at the same time so we have that social distancing happening. Well, if I access the facility outside of my approval time or I had no approval time, then someone's going to throw a shoe at me. So it's not necessarily 
um, badges that haven't been axed, uh, but that have haven't been used. Badges that have been used, but maybe mm-hmm. outside of that uh, that temporary um, procedure that we have in place. Yeah, and I know one that we'll be thinking about is just building on that. Is um, outside of outside of that, just as we reopen offices further, but say you know, hey, our facility here in in Vancouver, Canada, um, you know, it normally has you know some three hundred people working in it. Um, but if we're going to say, okay, in phase one of the opening, we don't want any more than fifty people in the office at a time. Um, we don't have to do a lot to make sure that we're monitoring that beyond watch our badge data um, and say, and say at any given time, once we've, once we've crossed 50 people um, somehow we've told too many teams to go back or, or uh, folks that aren't approved or are kind of creeping in as we, as we open up further. So uh, lots to do there. Well, thank you very much, Adam. I think that was a uh, a, uh, a fun discussion on a, a couple of good stories, but more importantly, hopefully inspire some ideas on using data and monitoring around physical access and physical security. Um, thanks a bunch, Adam. Have a uh, have a good time on your your next deep investigation with data. Thanks, Dan. See y'all. Thanks for joining us for this week's Office Hours. Make sure to visit wegalvanize.com for free resources to help you deliver better enterprise governance. See you next time.